everybody. So today's scripture reading is coming from Revelation. This is our last uh, part of Revelation that we're going to read. And we're starting in chapter 22 with verse 6. This will be till the end of the book. So please stand with me. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much um, for this body of believers and friends uh, that you have brought together today. I pray, Lord, a blessing on these people, uh, your people. I pray, Lord, that um, you would be with us as we go out. Um, Lord, I pray that you would continue to knit us together um, as we belong to you. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your word today to us and give us your message. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation chapter 22, starting with verse 6. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and let the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and let the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
So, well, uh, brothers and sisters, we have reached the end of our walk through the book of Revelation. It also happens to be the last service of Hill City Church, but that's not really the most important thing. It's the most present and prominent thing, the thing we value most right now, but it is not the most important thing. I hope the few words that uh, we and I say here this morning show that. The title of the series uh, for of Revelation that we have gone through here was based on that wonderful song by Johnny Cash, When the Man Comes Around. You should go back and listen to that song, read its lyrics, reflect on the, uh, what the four of us, Buzzy, Brett, Fred, and myself, have taught and said while teaching through this book. Cash's song is heartfelt and serious, somber, And exactly what the book of Revelation is about. Namely, there will be a day when Jesus will return. And the justice, peace, love, righteousness, vengeance, hope, redemption, list goes on. All these things that we wish to find fulfillment, wish to find rectification will be fulfilled. When Jesus returns, everything will be made right. But we would do well not to assume those things will find their fulfillment according to our thoughts according to our ideas. The way things will be fulfilled by Jesus are entirely in his mind and in his hands. Even at this very moment, the mo- this moment where we stand at the closing of our beloved little church. How do I know this? How do we know this? Look at the text. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I want to make two points about that. First is to ask which words, Jesus, which book are we talking about here? There is debate as to what Jesus is referring to in his phrase here, who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. The discussion is over whether Jesus is referring to the immediate passages of these last specific prophecies. That's one of the points. The ones about the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem in chapter 21 and the one earlier in this chapter from the river of life. Uh, the first few ch- uh, verses in chapter 22. Or the second thing is he could be referring to the entire book of Revelation. All the prophecies. I mean, cha- from chapter 1 on, we know how full the book of Revelation is of prophecy. So it could be referring to that, maybe. Or, and this is my question, the third is, is Jesus referring to the entire Bible in an indirect way? Just the immediate prophecies, the prophecies of Revelation, or is he referring to the entire, his entire prophecies in the whole book, this book? And let me tell you why I think my last question makes sense. Three observations. First, is it an accident that this last chapter of this book is placed at the end of our Bibles? Most canonical and chronolo- chronological orders of the New Testament seem to place the last chapters of Revelation at the end of the 27 books of the New Testament. Could that not bring a more severe way of looking at Jesus' words about the ones who are blessed are those who keep the words of the prophecy of this book, perhaps? Second observation. Let's say the first debated issue, the one about Jesus' phrase here, the one that says him referring to the prophecies of chapter 21 and chapter 22. Is, say, let's assume that's the correct one. That Jesus is saying that the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem in chapter 21, and about the prophecies about the river of life 
in chapter 22 will be blessed. If, he's saying, if you keep those, you will be blessed. This immediately makes us have to ask the question, though, where do these places referred to come from? If they are on their own, where, do, where does this new heaven, earth, and Jerusalem come from? Where does this river of life come from? All these particular prophecies are best understood by referring back to the rest of the New Testament. Even more, not only that, back to the entire Bible, the Old Testament as well. We can only know more about what those mean by looking at God's entire word. Jesus said in Matthew 5.18, For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. When will heaven and earth pass away, brothers and sisters? This one, this one will, uh, we live in will pass away. This current world that we live in. Only to be replaced by new ones. When will heaven and earth pass away? Well, according to Revelation 21 and 22, never. It will never pass away. Third observation. Let's say the other debated argument or issue about what Jesus means here is that he's referring to all the prophecies of Revelation. Let's say that's what he meant. That the one who is blessed is the one who keeps all the prophecies of the book only of Revelation. Even if that were the one right interpretation, it still brings us back to the question asked in the second observation. Namely, where do all these prophecies come from? We need the entire book, the entire Bible, to better understand these prophecies and to keep them. So it seems apparent that Jesus, maybe in a firm way or an indirect way, is referring to his book, his word, the Bible. Are we prepared to keep them? We certainly need Jesus to understand them. Second point, I asked this at the start. How do we know Jesus is coming back? How do we know that he will return and judge and restore? I can tell you right now, we would not know these things from simple observations about the way the world is. If we walked out and just observed the world, we would see that there is something wrong with the world. We would see that we feel broken at times. We would see that there appears to be some sort of powerful being with the order that we see in the world, behind this world. Just read Romans 1 for more of that, but we would not know the specifics of why the world seems wrong or we seem broken or we would not know about this apparent powerful being without the information being revealed to us. It has to be told to us. Theologian John Frame, one of my teachers, said it this way, God makes himself known as Lord through divine revelation, which is given to all people through creation and human nature That's the general observations we can make. And to specific people through events, inspired human words recorded as scripture and Jesus Christ himself. We can see God through creation in our own broken natures. That's the unclear part. We can't get the specifics. The part where we don't know Jesus is coming back. But as Frame says here, we need inspired human words of scripture and Jesus himself to actually know that he is coming back. We can't know this any other way. That's the word revelation. That's what the word revelation means. Mysterious knowledge 
revealed, unveiled, curtain pulled back. We are given it. This is why at Hill City Church, we have preached the Bible, the revealed mystery of God's purposes from up here, up front. It is of inestimable value, this book, these words. This is why we encourage everyone of you members and attendees of Hill City Church to go to churches that preach the revealed word of God. Honestly, curiously, accurately. If there's one thing I would want you to get from my few words this morning in the last moment words here would be this very thing. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Psalm 119, 160 says, yes, there are at least 160 verses in Psalm 119. The sum of your word, he's speaking to God, is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Hill City Church is not enduring forever. That is true right now. But God's word is. And that and all it or he has taught us should carry us into the next steps of our pilgrimages together. I want to close with these words from Johnny Cash's song, which are entirely appropriate. Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom. Then the father hen will call his chickens home, and the wise men will bow down before the throne, and at his feet they'll cast the golden crown when the man comes around. Amen. I was just thinking it's appropriate that we're doing this here this morning. And last night we celebrated Mardi Gras, which is a celebration that is carried on before the time we remember when Jesus went to the cross for us. And that celebration, we know, is going to continue forever in the New Jerusalem. So, it gets uh, pretty good planning, wouldn't it? (laughs) The uh, verses I have are verses 12 and 13 of Revelation 22. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Soon. I'm like Lucy when she said to Aslan, what do you mean soon? Because she was wondering, you're going away. He said, don't worry, I'll see you soon. And what he said to her, I can just imagine Jesus saying to us, I call all times soon. It's all the same. He is the eternal. The beginning and the ending, as we'll see later. So as I 
I and probably many of us say, how long, O Lord? And he says, soon. And you go, well, what is, what is soon? Is it my lifetime? And he said, don't worry about that. It's all soon to me. And I guess really it's all soon to us. Then Jesus says, I'm bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. It's not, the word judgment is not in there. It's recompense. It's like a repayment. I think possibly Jesus is saying here he will be rewarding those who have done what he commanded. And also rewarding those who have not done what he commanded. Which, of course, their reward is not going to be as good as the reward of those who have followed him. But he is coming to settle things. (coughs) Jesus told parables about a landowner going away and the servants all, you know, decided to party, and one of them, they beat the other servants. The landowner comes back and gives the wicked servants the recompense for their actions. That's what Jesus was talking about. He is coming back with his recompense. Then the uh, last part of verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Usually when we read these verses, we just kind of skip through them. Yeah, he was there at the beginning. He'll be there at the end. He's the first and the last. The Aramaic Bible in plain English. I never knew there was such a thing until I started started doing this. It reads, I am the Allah. And I am Tao, the first and the last, the origin and the fulfillment. That translation, I think, nails it. Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And guess what? Tao is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The first and the last. But then that other part, the origin and the fulfillment. What that phrase there is saying is, it's all about me. Because it is. You go all the way back to Genesis, you go all the way through human history, all the way up to the time when he comes back and establishes the new Jerusalem. And it's all about him. We hear that a lot, oh yeah, it's, about a person who's, you know, thinks they're better than they are. Well, they think it's all about them. Well, it really is all about Jesus. That's why we're here this morning. That's why this church has been here for the last 13 or so years. Because of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon wrote, Preach orthodoxy, or any form of doxy, If you have left out Christ, there is no manna from heaven, no water from the rock, no refuge from the storm, 
no healing for the sick, no life for the dead. If you leave out Christ, you have left the sun out of the day and the moon out of the night. You have left the waters out of the sea and the foods out of the river. And the, uh, it says foods out of the river. I don't know where that came from. Maybe it's the fish out of the river. <laughs> Darn autocorrect. Um, <laughs> you have loved joy out of heaven. Yea, you have robbed it, robbed all of its all. There is no gospel worth thinking of, much less worth proclaiming in Jehovah's name, if Jesus be forgotten. There is no gospel worth thinking of, much less worth proclaiming in Jehovah's name, if Jesus be forgotten. Go out wherever you end up and be all about Jesus, because it is all about him. There was a pastor who told the story to one of his church about one of his church members who was an attorney who, after meditating on several scriptures, decided to cancel the debts of all of his clients that owed him money for more than six months. He drafted a letter explaining his decision and its biblical basis and sent 17 debt canceling letters via certified mail. One by one, the letters began to return to him, unsigned and undelivered. Perhaps a couple of people maybe moved away, though not likely, but 16 of the 17 letters came back to him because the clients refused to sign for and open the envelopes, fearing that this attorney was suing them for their debts. In verses 16 and 17, which is my assignment this morning, we encounter a compelling invitation, a letter extending an open invitation to all free of charge. And many hesitate to respond or even open the envelope, fearing what they might find inside, fearing what Jesus would say. However, it's so important to recognize that this is an opportunity to receive forgiveness for all transgressions before a holy God. A chance for a fresh start, a clean slate, a debt clear. It's an invitation to embrace transformation, leading to a new life overflowing with love, joy, and peace. It's an offer of redemption, promising renewal in every aspect of your life. To discover that you were created for a divine purpose, to glorify God, and to live a life of deep meaning and purpose. 
It's an opportunity to enter into not just a new community, but a family where you can experience a deep sense of belonging. Of belonging. A chance to have hope in Jesus who will shepherd you, never leaving you or forsaking you and leading you through all the tough times in your life. Ultimately, verses 16 and 17 is an invitation to enter into a profound relationship with the living God and his son, Jesus Christ. A chance to have meaningful purpose in your life. This is an invitation to the gospel of Jesus Christ freely given to you and to me. At Hill City Church, in the 11 or 12 years we've been in existence, we have always been about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a hallmark of this church. Some of you in this room today, you're lost. You've never given God a second thought. But yet, even as you sit here, you feel his presence tugging at your heart, inviting you to let go, to lay it down, and to have his way. Is that you this morning? This is an invitation to you. I'm the token charismatic of the church, so I'm going to preach it. You've tried things your way for so long, And now you're stuck in a ditch and there's no way out. You're at the end of your rope. Jesus invites you to come right now. Respond to him by asking him to forgive you and transform you into what you're meant to be. To transform you into your truest self as you are meant to be in Christ Jesus. There are others of you in the room where You know God, but you are far from him. You know him, but you are distract. You are a distracted creature. Distracted by watching a night of soft porn on Netflix and then waking up in the morning to Twitter and Buzzfeed articles. That's just a bad way to live. And nothing's worked and you've run to the wrong anesthetic. But I have this invitation for you. Your Messiah is waiting for you. Your Messiah is waiting and he hasn't given up on you. He loves you. Come now. Run to him. Run to him in your heart and let him renew you in the fresh gospel of his grace by the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches, the ecclesia. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. Verse 16, notice the words, I, Jesus. Jesus wants us to know it's him that's penning this letter. This is so deeply personal that he wants us to know of his actions in this invitation. When you and I want to get a point across in an email or an electronic communique, we say, I, Brett, or I, Bob, or, or I, Jane, or I, Barbara. Listen to what I'm saying. And Jesus wants us to really hear what he's saying to us here. Not just read it, but really perceive the invitation that's extended to you and the implications of what it means for your life. 
the gospel Jesus is inviting us to is not a message about what we must do. It's not a message about great advice. It's news. It's a proclamation of what he has done for us. It's a message in which he initiated and in which you and I just simply respond by faith. All he wants of us is to respond to his gracious message and to follow him. And like Peter, he wants us to leave it all behind and follow him. Are you following him this morning? I recently came across a podcast where the pastor used the word apprentice instead of disciple. Not that disciple is incorrect, but for our culture, the word apprentice was a little easier to digest. When you apprentice under someone, you learn the trade and the life by watching your master. When you apprentice under someone like an electrician, a plumber, or in our case, a carpenter, you learn the trade and the life by observing him, observing what and what not to do by doing the work alongside your master until you become an expert in your craft. If you were called to follow a rabbi in ancient Israel, you would be taking their set of rules and their teachings upon you with the idea that one day you would pass on their ideas to future generations. A rabbi, a rabbi's set of teachings in that day was called their yoke. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. The rabbis of Jesus' day put a heavy, heavy yoke loaded with burdens on people uh, too great for them to bear. And they didn't lift a finger to help them ease that burden. Around the age of 14 or 15 years old, the young men would finish their schooling and the rabbis would go to these schools and question these young men. Then they would choose the best of the best to be their disciples and would call them by the same phrase that Jesus used, follow me. The rabbi wanted to find out if you had what it takes to spread his yoke. The new disciple would then leave his hometown and everything he knew and would follow him everywhere he went, giving his very life to him to become exactly like his rabbi. The student would follow and the rabbi literally imitated him in every way, especially his teachings and mannerisms. As one would leave and begin to follow, others would say to him, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. The students followed him so closely that the dust from the road that came from the feet of the rabbi would cover that disciple. That should be the desire of every one of our hearts to walk so close to Jesus that we would be covered in his dust. Remember, brothers and sisters, our rabbi has not called you simply to just believe in him, but to follow him, to be with him, to become like him and to do what he did. There are many who believe in Jesus, but not many who follow him, who abandon their desires and sense of self, die to themselves and enter the life that Jesus has for them by joy. Is that you? Are you following your rabbi? 
Are you following your rabbi so closely that you're covered in his dust? There's no more exciting life that you could live than that. Jesus says, I'm the root and the descendant of David, the bright and the morning star. Jesus says, he's the root of David. This is interesting. Jesus says in one sentence that he came from David and that David came from him. How can this be? Well, as the babe of Bethlehem, Jesus was the offspring of David, but the Christ of eternity. He existed before David. It's a messianic term referring to the throne of David in 2 Samuel 7, where Yahweh promised that David's throne would one day be occupied by Messiah. Well, up to that point, it had been occupied by some really bad dudes. Really corrupt. Though Yahweh promised the Messiah, there didn't seem to be one in sight until Gabriel delivered a message to a virgin and said that the child in her womb would one day sit and occupy that throne. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ occupies that throne right now. It is a now but not yet reality. And someday he will come and establish his throne on earth in Israel and govern the whole world. Are you ready? Boy, I sure am. I'm excited. I'm excited. And then Jesus says he's the bright and morning star. Metaphorical language that he's the bringer of light and hope and salvation. Just as a morning star appears just before dawn. Jesus brings the light of God's truth and salvation to the world. Jesus is emphasizing his divine nature and his position as the ultimate source of illumination and guidance. We cannot know what life is all about. You cannot know. I cannot know its meaning, its purpose, its understanding. We don't know knowledge or wisdom apart from him. You know why? Because he doesn't just speak wisdom. He is wisdom. He is the very embodiment of it. And he is the light which illuminates darkness in our lives. C.S. Lewis once said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And then there's this wonderful invitation in chapter 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Do you hear the thunderous invitation to you and me today? Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life, uh, who desires to take the water of life without price. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The bride is the church. Do you see in this verse, they both say, come to Jesus. There's a perfect harmony between the bride and the Holy Spirit in in this invitation. Both divine and natural realms are at work proclaiming this invitation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. The Spirit is working through the church in His Word. He is wooing. His power, his, dare I say it, signs and wonders? To be witnesses of Jesus Christ and his plan to save you and me. Told you I was a token charismatic. (laughs) Those who have heard the message of the gospel and have responded to it are encouraged to join the invitation. 
echoing the call to others to receive the gift of eternal life. Have you ever seen a flash mob on social media? A flash mob is a spontaneous gathering of people who assemble in a public place to perform an impromptu performance, typically a dance or a song, and then they disperse quickly. Flash mobs are usually organized by social media, uh, email or word of mouth, and participants often arrive at a designated location at a specific time, and then all of a sudden, boom, they break out into song and dance. And everybody around them is going, what in the world is going on? But the looks on people's faces when you see these on YouTube and Facebook are, are priceless. They're just like, wow, their jaws are dropped open and their smiles and people are recording with their phones. And all of a sudden now it's gone viral and pretty soon the flash mob goes viral and it brings joy to millions of people. Ladies and gentlemen, in a way, what the Holy Spirit is calling you and I to is to become a part of a holy flash mob. To bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and a dying world. I'm telling you, when the world sees us gathered like this and they see us loving one another, they trip out. They don't know what to do. Brothers and sisters, become a part of the flash mob of Christ today. Let the one who is thirsty come, Jesus, or the the verse says. The invitation offers refreshment. Are you thirsty this morning? Some of you are thirsty spiritually. You feel dry. You're in a dry place in your life. You feel as though that everything's dried up. Well, Jesus says, you know, all you got to do is let go of the thing that you're... If if you drank seawater... It would kill you. It would really mess up your kidneys. You become dehydrated. And yet when we consume all the things that we consume with social media and everything else, we become dry and thirsty. But Jesus says, come to me and I'll, I'll quench your thirst. I'll satisfy you. And this is familiar of John 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water that he offers to you today. Brothers and sisters, this is an invitation to the gospel. And I personally wanted to, one of the last words that I spoke to you today, to be one of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And giving you the invitation, what He's already given us in the scriptures. The spirit and the bride is calling. He's calling you to come home. He's calling you to come home. It's time. It's time for you to let go and surrender. Won't you come and drink the water of life freely? Won't you come? Would you bow with me and just a quick word of prayer? Father, As we are all in this room, I pray your Holy Spirit would continue to draw hearts. If that's you and and you want to receive Christ, just simply pray this prayer, not out of repetition, but pray it sincerely with your heart if God is drawing you. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm lost and I need you. I surrender my life. Please come and take up residence in me. I believe you died on the cross 
And I believe you rose again from the dead as the firstborn to bring me with you. Jesus, have your way with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Usually when you come up here last, you, you feel like you've got something else to say that everybody else has not said wrong. <laughs> I, about the only thing I can do is to just reiterate what everybody has said this afternoon or this morning. Uh, one of the things as well, having been stated supply here for the last, I don't know, four plus years, um, the three men that just have spoken, Fred, Kirk, and Brett, uh, proud to stand beside them shoulder to shoulder and uh, lead this church. Uh, as Kirk said, and I think he said it well, even after we have gone from this place today, if there are questions, if you have problems, whatever difficulties you may be having, please, please let us know because our responsibilities to you don't end here today. So please remember that, if you would. Uh, I'm, I'm now. This is probably. This is going to be definitely the shortest sermon that you all, regular members of, of Hill City, will hear me preach. So uh, get ready now. Here it comes. <laughs> so this is it. The end of the study of Revelation of Jesus Christ and the closing of the curtain we know as Hill City Church. It's a sad day, no doubt. But our work is only beginning. Okay, Elder, you just said some things over the last few years that have made some sense. You've said some things that I guess you, if you thought about it like I did, it, it may ring a few bells, I don't know. And then there are some that you've said that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. This is one of them. We're closing the church today, and yet you say our work is just beginning. How does that work? Well, I'm glad you asked. One of the things that we as the session of Hill City asked ourselves week in and week out after we would uh, finish our worship services, and this started from the very beginning, is God through with this church yet? And we would always think after some discussion, no, he's not through with us. Well, even the night that we met in early December, late November, whichever it was, to hear from several of the leaders in the congregation, they were tired. They had maybe lost some passion for worshiping because they were so bogged down in so many other details that had to be taken, had to take place. When I asked for the session that particular night to meet privately to discuss the matter of what we should now do with Hill City Church, the question was asked once again, is God through with Hill City Church yet? And you know what we believe to be true? No, He's not through with us yet. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Not in the sense of remaining as a congregation together that maybe. We know that that evening, we knew that the time had come to put the wheels in motion to end our time together. And that's okay. 
You see, we believed, and we still do, Hill City Church has a lot to give to other churches in and around this area. Now, we'll continue to spread the spirit of Hill City to other churches that will attend. Perhaps maybe even join some of these churches in the coming days. We will exemplify the love that we have had for each other and the understanding of just exactly who Jesus Christ is or should be in our lives. This is what we will have to give to other fortunate churches who will be blessed with what is about to be the former members of Hill City Church. But we go from here, but as we go from here one last time, I want to give each of us a warning and a plea that Jesus gave each one of us in these final few verses of John's writing of the Revelation. It's a warning that I won't. As your stated supply pastor, I would be failing you if I did not reiterate what was being said in these last four verses of Revelation 22. As I said, you'll be visiting many churches in the coming weeks. I think some have already decided what church they're going to go to. And perhaps maybe they'll be attending more permanently at that particular point. But I want you to remember this. Before you leave this place today, yes, it's important that you get along well with all the other church members wherever you go. There's got to be that feeling of love and acceptance in those places, whether they're they're ARP or not. Just like we had here. Just like we have here at Hill City Church. But I want you to look at what Jesus is telling us here in verses 18 and 19. Do not add or take away from the prophecies of this book. I used to think, kind of like what Kirk was alluding to this morning... Well, you know, in the Revelation, that command is just for this book and this book alone. That's not true, folks. Not in my opinion. It starts early in the Old Testament, and it continues through this last passage in chapter 22 here. Look at Deuteronomy 4, verse 2. You shall not add to the Word of God that I command you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. To be complete, you have to be trained in God's Word. Period. Not man's word, okay? There's a a critical difference. There are 75 or so allusions to not adding or subtracting from God's word. It isn't just this book. As Kirk said, it's the whole book. Be in a place that is going to teach and preach the entirety of the gospel. Not a place that reduces hell, for instance to a slapping of the wrist, perhaps a good talking to by God, and then He lets you on into heaven with this nasty look as you're walking away from Him. It doesn't work that way. Yes, God is love, but He is justice, and His ruling measurement is His own righteousness. Be careful, brothers and sisters, of that which is being taught in other churches. 
and make sure that it's what's being preached here and has been preached here since the very beginning. It's not reduced, nor is it expanded upon. And lastly, the final two verses. If you're in line with God's Word, don't be afraid of the words in verse 20. Those who testify to God's truths can certainly say and believe, surely I am coming soon. And we can, with a plea in our voice, not because of of our evil or of all the evil and pain in the world, not those injustices thrown around at us by the world, but with a desire to see God right all the wrongs that this earth has given us all because of the existence of Satan. We can say with hopeful expectation, Come, come, Lord Jesus. Knowing that there will be for the children of God, that's that's you and me, a home awaiting for each of us, and it's called heaven. It's a home that we just spent the last eight or nine months preparing our hearts and minds for. And the beauty... Is though we started with hope and, and with the promise of a thriving Hill City Church, we can carry forward with us the hope and desire to see our next church home thrive because they too teach and preach the Word of God in its, uh, its uh, truth, in its entirety, and in its simplicity. And you can be a part of all of that. Just Be watchful. May God bless you. May He bless us all in the days ahead as we prepare to go into the world and share what we have learned from the last several years at this wonderful little church called Hill City. And almost a benediction here in this last verse, but these words were put here for a reason, I believe. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank You. We praise You for who You are, for what You've done and what You are doing, for what You've done for us in the past. As we've learned in the book of Revelation, it's what You have done, it's what You are doing, but also what You will do for us. And we just say thank You for it all. What a wonderful, wonderful body of Christ we had here called Hill City. But Lord, we also can go into the future with high expectations knowing that Hill City will be with us in our hearts and in our minds as we go into other churches. Would you guide us? Would you grant us your wisdom to know what is right and what is wrong? Because there's an awful lot of stuff being preached today that's just popular for people to hear. It's called tickling the itching ears. Guard us from that, God. Give us your wisdom. Grant us your peace and your strength. And may you be all the honor and glory for it all. Because we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, man, I don't even have my phone out. Okay. Okay, confession of faith. Y'all look with me if you, on your phone again if you will. Uh, you see it,